Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back for another episode of What's Your Issue? The E2KG Network's weekly podcast covering comic books. This is a comic book review show. Here with me, as always, I have Mr. Stephen Laura. How are you doing, Stephen? Doing good. Good, good. And I am your other co-host for the evening, Agassicles Famous. As always, each and every week, Stephen and I get together and we talk about somewhere between uh, 8 to 13 comic books. We go through six in pretty excruciating detail in our review segment at the top of the hour. Then we talk about the best thing that each of us read this particular week. We move on and talk about our honorable mentions, which can be honorable mentions for either good reasons or bad. And then we round out the podcast by discussing our pull list for the upcoming new comic book day, which is generally two days after we record this issue. This is a spoiler cast. It is Monday night. It is two days before New Comic Book Day. We record tonight in the hopes and expectation that everybody has gotten through their stacks by this point and that nothing that we're going to discuss on tonight's episode will be a surprise to you. However, if for some reason you haven't completed reading your comments, then we strongly recommend that you go back and do so and then come back to listen up to what we have to talk about. This is issue number 21, covering the comics that shipped the 27th of February, 2019. We're going to start off tonight by talking about the Savage Sword of Conan number two. So uh, the writer on this comic was uh, Gary Dugan, artist Ron Garney, color artist Richard Eisenhove, and letterer Travis Lanham. Uh, this is the second comic, as far as I can remember, um, coming from uh, Marvel, uh, covering Conan. I had to kind of do a double take because I was like, I just read a Conan yeah, comic. Yeah, making two series of him. I, right. I noticed. So, so, and, I, and the way I remember it from when I was a kid growing up reading these, Savage Sword was always kind of definitively the one about Conan uh, as the barbarian, whereas the other Conan books would sometimes, you know, would cover different eras with him uh, as, a, as an adventurer and um, sometimes even as a king or as a warlord. Savage Sword was always him uh, in the loincloth um, and uh, always kind of at his most savage, as it is in this case. Um, I'm trying to see who I remember who, uh, yeah. And so uh, one thing I want to mention, uh, Bravo for the comic book industry for getting Alex Ross. I don't know what's going on or what kind of deal he's under, but he is doing more covers now than I remember him doing. Um, yeah, I see that. And he's doing them for, uh, I, I know he's doing them for Marvel. I think he's doing some for DC as well. Yeah. I've seen some for DC as well. I think. Yeah, so I don't know if he's uh, trying to secure his retirement money or what's going on, but uh, it's a good <laughs> deal. And uh, this is another one that has a uh, Alex Ross cover. Um, I really kind of like this art. This wasn't the best art that I saw this week uh, as, as far as the art from Garney, but it is very um, hyper-specific to the Conan motif um, and was it was very good. The, the one thing that I didn't like about the art in this issue was I felt like the panel work didn't really do a whole heck of a lot. Uh, everything uh, was was horizontal panels with the you know pretty pretty straight stick um, three and four panel pages, with the exception of there is one um, with uh, with some verticals on it, but but nothing as uh, avant as I saw in some of the other books uh, this week. Um, Colors are pretty sharp, but it's a very brown book, um, and so there's not a ton of uh, you know specular lighting and, and, and ambient lighting. Um, and and one, I mean the the story is good. I so I was a huge fan of Dugan's run on Daredevil, 
Um, and he's really kind of one of the standout writers for me. Um, this comic feels very much like it's trading a lot on um, the known uh, history and mythology of Conan from the first movie. Um, the, the key villain's name sounds not too far from, from Thulsa Doom, who was the character that James Earl Jones played uh, in the first movie. Um, there are some neat little scenes here, like kind of the opening scene uh, where he um, and his uh, and his partner, uh, I can't remember his name, Suddy or Suri or something like that. Uh, I want to say it may have been it's something that sounds like Sully, um, but uh, they, they traipse into this land uh, that um, new unknown land. And they notice that uh, that the trees are burning, but not the grass. And then they walk a little bit further uh, and, 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 and Conan's partner is still here. Who's very talkative. I'm just kind of one of the comedic sticks in it. Um, and Conan, and Conan tells him to, to be silent and tells him these aren't trees. Uh, and then the camera zooms in on them and they're actually bodies. Um, so it's uh, so, so pretty horrifying things as would normally be the shtick uh, for a Conan book. Um, uh, one of the things here that, uh, that I do like is how the Conan in this book is more kind of street smart than a lot of the enemies that he runs into. Uh, in this case, uh, they, they run into two beings that, you know, left to your own design, you would think were demons or some type of evil sorcerer. Uh, Conan promptly snaps off a foot from, uh, from one pile of the burning bodies and uh, proceeds to beat these two men uh, with a human body part. Um, and then, and then when he gets done, he tells them, you know, you, I, you know, I saw kind of like I saw through your disguise. You guys cut and mutilated yourselves to make yourselves appear as demons, but you're just men. Um, so I thought that was pretty ingenious. Uh, one of the things that I don't like about this characterization of Conan is um, a lot of three dollar words <laughs> that like don't. Feel, I mean, yeah, I agree with you on that. <laughs> on. Yeah, I mean. Conan has always been, again, has always been smarter than you would think, um, but but he's incredibly articulate in this. And I think like far beyond what you would expect for um, for a man who is not very far from his uh, barbarian origins. Um, they throw a uh, a female character in here. Uh, I think her name is is Menez or something like that, um, and and again, she is very much kind of like Valeria was in the first movie. Um, so it just feels, you know, and, and, and in fact, uh, they Dugan even has uh, Garney do the scene from the movie. Uh, again, the movie's very old, but there's a scene where um, where where Conan and Valeria and uh, I can't remember the um, there was a, a, an, a an Asian actor that played uh, Conan's uh, partner in in crime as well. Um, and there's a scene where all of them kind of scale the outer wall of this rock tower, and that's like just kind of like a basic thieving skill. And if you remember your, if you remember your Dungeons and Dragons, like thieves always had this skill called climb walls. Um, and, and they do the same thing here. So I, I just feel like in a lot of instances, there's a lot of nostalgic callbacks to things that people who didn't even read the books of Conan, but saw the movies would see. Um, but, uh, but it, it, it felt a little tired and worn, um, you know, marginally. Um, overall, the book felt pretty smart, and at the end of the day, I rated the book a 7.0. Steven, did you read this comic? Yeah, I just didn't like it either. I gave it like a 6.5. Okay, so pretty close to mine, but... 
Yeah, it's just, I don't know. To me, it's just the character seems very uh, non existent. It's like you're right with the, he talks like in three letter words. And I mean, th- like, in, he talks in very little sentences. And I don't know. It seems like the characteristics are not non existent. And uh, I'm getting. A little disappointed with the Conan books because I don't even like the main Conan series, and it's just the 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 regular Conan the Barbarian. I don't know. Jason Aaron's not doing it for me in that book either. It's just I was hoping, like I was really hype about Conan coming to Marvel Comics, and now that the comic books are here, I read them and just not enjoying them as much. It made me questioning. It's making me question if I actually enjoyed the movie back then because it was so long ago. So I'm not sure if it's still good as it is. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I mean there I mean I don't know. I mean it's it's tough to tell what I mean in at Marvel licensed properties I don't necessarily think are supposed to do that much, right? They're kind of like they just need to earn like the basic money that they are you know nobody expects a blockbuster from a licensed comic. I mean they really with the Star Wars thing, they really kind of struck gold in a very, yes. in a manner that was very unusual to what I think we're historically accustomed to seeing from Marvel from a licensed comic. So, um, so you know, I, I feel like, and I think I've I've been reading these books kind of in the same envelope. I, I feel like they're, you know, they're they're doing what they need to do. They're they're scratching the itch for certain people. I think uh, as uh, as genre comics, and and they don't need to do that much. Um, yeah. But then again, I think maybe the Star Wars bit has kind of raised expectations a little bit from from what we might be looking for from a licensed comic. You know, it's th- this issue was not a bad issue. It was to me, it was a tonally, it was a, a relatively tonally accurate Conan comic, with the exception that I, I felt he used in a, in several instances he used words that I'm like were too to me that were too big for. Yeah. What I would expect a barbarian <laughs> to use. <laughs> so, all right, very cool. Uh, second right. book in the rundown tonight is Daredevil number two. Uh, and you read Daredevil number one, correct? Yeah, I read this one too. I okay. didn't want to pull this. I, I bypassed the first uh, issue. Uh, I think it, it came out in a week where I had too many other things to read. Um, yeah. I was very impressed with Chip Zdarsky coming off the um, his run on Spectacular Spider-Man. Um, and, and when this got announced, uh, you know, I, I, I went back and forth with him a couple times on, on Twitter and, you know, I was very interested to see how this turned out to me in spectacular. This was an atypical Zdarsky doing material, a little more serious and a little more emotional than I'm accustomed to seeing him do historically. Um, and, and I wasn't sure that lightning was going to like, he, he has not been like my typical writer, um, the, in the past when I've seen him. Uh, so I was very curious to see if it was, if there was the potential for lightning to strike twice. And, uh, and let me tell you, it is. <laughs> so this, yeah, um, I agree. <laughs> th- this is just an incredible issue. Um, so uh, the talent on it was writer, Chip Zdarsky artist was Mark Cicchetto color, Sunny go and letter Clayton cows. Now Cicchetto is the artist that we most recently saw doing, old man Hawkeye. Um, and and it, it's one thing I, I'll say about Marvel from a, from an industry perspective is that I don't like is 
I don't like the the number resetting just because it's a new creative team. Like this yeah, story, I know if they do that. Yeah, I mean, this story literally picks up like the like the issue after the last Daredevil run. I mean, there's no breaking continuity. There's no like resetting and starting over. This is exactly a continuation of the same last storyline. And I'm like, well, why did we read? Why did we, why are we renumbering it? So, um, at any rate. Uh, if you were on for the last run, uh, Daredevil uh, was uh, severely injured and wound up uh, basically, you know, doing the old stick of dying on the operating table for like a number of seconds. Uh, now, I didn't read. Did you read the limited series that bridged? Yeah, between... I did read that. Okay, so so as I'm going through the situation, if there's anything pertinent in that, because I didn't read it, I was um, just he was just in a coma and he wakes up out of the coma. That's it. That's okay. not, there's nothing else. <laughs> Okay, so it was just a way to sell more comics then. So, um, yeah, basically. <laughs> so this picks up with Daredevil still in New York. Wilson Fisk is still the mayor. Uh, but what happened in the first issue is a, uh, a thug who uh, Daredevil intervened and fought uh, in the commission of a crime um, actually winds up dying. And uh, the New York City Police Department is now holding Daredevil accountable for that individual's murder. Um there's a lot of sturm and drang in this issue about how um, how much of an expert Matt Murdock is at knowing like exactly the right pressure to apply to different body parts and where exactly to throw his batons and all that kind of thing, so that he doesn't kill anyone. Um, and and what and what he's swimming through now is that no one believes him. Right, all of the evidence indicates that um, in his uh, fight with this thug that Daredevil is responsible for the person's uh, death. Um, Matt uh, pops, you know, into several places throughout the city, um, having a chance to uh, observe people in their heart rates and, uh, and, and gets out of them things that indicates that they are not lying. So he goes to see the doctor who, um, who, uh, who had the thug on the operating table um, and pronounced him dead. And he can tell that he's not lying um, he stops by when uh, a pair of cops go to see Wilson Fisk, and he is close enough to hear Wilson to hear, hear the Kingpin's heartbeat, and he can tell that the Kingpin isn't lying. So, um, again, all evidence indicates that Matt did this. Now, Matt is of the mind that somebody got to the thug in between when Matt left him and when he arrived at the hospital. Uh, the, the, the artwork in here is simply bar none, the best artwork that I saw the entire week. Uh, the cover, um, which is also, is this, this is, this is Chichetto on the cover, right? I just want to make sure before. Yeah, I, no, actually it's a, it's a Julian Totino Tedesco. Oh, okay. who I'm, who I'm not familiar with, but absolutely also the best cover that I saw. It's very f- this um, week. similar. It does. It, it's, it's very similar to Chichetto's style. Um, but, uh, but uh, one of the things freaking, like Chichetto does amazingly well is he does these um, smoke, like these billowing clouds with, with birds intermixed and smoke and haze. And it looks, I mean, it, it doesn't look like a comic. It looks like it's, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. It could easily be a painting. Um, and it's almost, I mean, it's almost photorealistic in a way that is not, um, that is not detracting, right? It doesn't feel like fake photorealism. So the other thing that gets introduced in this comic is the notion of a new cop um, in New York who has come over from Chicago, who's paired with detective Higgins. Um, 
the, the cop is uh, in very good physical shape uh, and, uh, and, and, and has a, a, a pretty good set of, you know, like reaction speed and combat training. Um, and actually, as this book ends, um, even though Daredevil uh, kicks him in the solar plexus, <laughs> um, the cop is able to pull his pistol and actually hits Matt. Uh, now, it looks like he's hit in the shoulder. Uh, Matt is down. Um, so there are a couple th things, minor things that I wasn't exactly sure were, were totally the right drumbeat that I would have wanted. Um, this is one of them. I'm like, didn't, it's like, like literally like three issues ago, right? If you bridge across to the last Daredevil run, we just had Daredevil like, like hit by a truck or whatever. And I'm like, now he's shot and he's down again. And I'm like too soon. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so, but you know, it's, it's, it's fine. Um, so, uh, and I, I, I guess that was, I mean, there was one other thing that kind of bugged me, uh, in, in the issue, just from a storytelling perspective. And I can't remember exactly what it was, but, um, but I really like the, 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 uh, the scenes that they're having Matt kind of walk through. Um, there's a scene where he walks through and talks to, uh, to a nurse and, you know, gets kind of the, the, the religious take on it. Um, there's a scene about him kind of getting back on his feet and, 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 and not wallowing in the self doubt, like, like convincing himself through um, performing, you know, for, you know, through doing what he does that no, there's no way, there's no way that I killed that guy. Um, you know, New York is contending with, uh, with a fear of him um, as being a person who now, um, you know, who now kills. There's a great scene that I really liked um, just because, you know, it's, it's trading on the, on the, on the Marvel mythology of uh, Luke Cage uh, with, with his daughter and, and Jessica Jones, as they look at each other and are questioning, you know, whether or not, uh, you know, Daredevil is a, is a, is a killer. Um, what did you think? I wanted to ask you, what did you think about the new costume that Chichetto has Daredevil in? I like it. It's more like a baggy pants. I know. Yeah, it's more like a military kind of like style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little more. I mean, I, I, I hate to use the term realistic, but it's it's definitely not just like full blown spandex, right? It's yeah, I know. It, it, it looks like it's a like it's a combat, you know uniform so yeah. yeah so it's pretty cool so i i really love uh this issue um you get it you get a healthy dose of, of matt murdoch and in the in the inner struggle there's a great see opening scene between he and foggy um and he's kind of walking through i love foggy but but i also know foggy right and these are foggy's limitations like he's not going to believe me he's going to want me to do it by the book that's not what i'm going to do um but they still have that friendship um and like i said the art was just entirely off the chain uh, at the end of the day, I scored this issue a 9.0, which is a very uh, unusually high score for me. Um, Steven, what did you, any other thoughts on the book, and, and what did you score this book? I gave it a, a 8.5. Um, it's just that uh, the only thing that disappointed me was that Foggy doesn't believe Daredevil. I would thought that he would actually believe him, considering he, he's been his best friend for years I, but my take on foggy is this is very much um if you've ever seen a, a few good men um this, this is very much like a lawyer who's like it doesn't matter what i can be what i believe it only matters what i can prove and i think this is foggy buying into look whatever whatever like we want to think and believe here's what the evidence says and, and what the what the courts you know what a what a jury's gonna see 
Okay. I don't know. Any other any other thoughts? No, there's no other thoughts. Okay. Uh, so why don't you walk us through Batman Beyond number twenty nine? All right, Batman Beyond number twenty nine is is written by Dan Jurgens. Artist is Brett Booth. Inkers is Norm Norm Rabmud. And colorist is Andrew Dahlhouse, and letters is um Travis Lanman Lanham. Uh, so yeah, with this book, I thought it was okay. I just didn't particularly like it too much. Um, the the I know they had some interesting plot points with. I know this is more of a, the Chokers returning, and <clears throat> what is it? He's he has, um, he has Matt McGinnis, which is Terry McGinnis's younger brother. He has him hostage and is kind of doing the whole Jason Todd story. So it's like doing. Is doing yeah, it's doing the Jason Todd story placing the Batman Beyond universe. So Joker is on his quest to kill another Robin because Matt McGinnis has become Robin. So in the issue, he doesn't end up killing him. He just he just um and the Joker ends up they end up stopping him, but the, the Joker ends up getting a heart attack at the end. As he's um, talking to uh, Bat Bruce Wayne, yeah, he's talking to Bruce Wayne, and, and he, in the middle of the conversation, in the middle of attacking him, he ends up getting a heart attack. So I just didn't like this story because of the 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 whole Joker getting killed. Because the thing is, we see Bruce Wayne. Like he's about to like shoot the Joker after he fights him, and he just as he's talking there, Joker ends up getting a heart attack out of nowhere, and it just to me it cheapens the death of the Joker. To me, I just would have liked it to see uh Bruce Wayne actually get the chance to shoot him because. He is tired of his 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 um psychopath um psychopathic killing type type of thing. Like he's, I would like to have seen Bruce Wayne go through the idea of like he's tired of the Joker endangering his family, and that's this is this is like so many years in the future. He doesn't need to deal with this right now, and it just seems weird that. Out of nowhere, at this right at this moment of getting uh, about to get shot by Batman, he automatically not Batman, Bruce Wayne, because I know Batman is he's not Batman at this time. So Bruce Wayne, in the whole, I just didn't. I was just very disappointed when he that he gets a heart attack on joke on Joker. I mean, Joker gets a heart attack from from the fight after the fight with Bruce Wayne, so that kind of disappointed me. And the whole 
Ugh, they kept playing a suspenseful thing about, oh, is Joker not going to kill Matt McGinnis? And you see that he doesn't. And then is this like it kept going back and forth between scenes where like there's a scene where where Joker has um, Matt McGinnis and he's he's showing the camera to to Bruce Wayne. Uh, yeah, he's showing it. He's showing it on the camera screen for everybody to see on the news to a real to 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 show that to broadcast that he's killing Matt McGinnis on television. So right when he's gonna uh kill him off he 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 the whole place explodes on fire and then when when uh Terry McGinnis gets there he notices that Joker is not there and it's just like ah ha ha you see Joker appear in Bruce Wayne's back cave and say oh that was just a pre-recorded um scenery that happened it wasn't actually live so it just kind of bothered me that they try to keep the playful suspense of of um of Joker killing Matt McGinnis and he doesn't actually kill him off. So that whole fire scene in the beginning was just a fake prop, and it just bothered me how they did it that way. So I decided to give this issue a a six point five. It was just a decent issue. It wasn't nothing too fun for me. And I kind of wish they wouldn't play the suspensefulness like that. I mean, well, then, since that's your opinion on Batman Beyond, I'm very curious to find out your thoughts on Detective Comics number 999. Cause I, oh, yeah. Because this, <laughs> this is an issue that does another hoodwink and bamboozle and kind of winks at itself um, in its wittiness. Uh, and I I struggled with where to land on on this one. So so why don't you go ahead and talk us through uh, the whole thing? All right, Detective Comics is is um is the writer is Peter J. Tomasi, artist is Doug Mankey, inkers is Christian Alami, Keith Champagne, Mark Enwin, and Jamie Mendoza. Colorist is David Barron and letters is Rob Lay. So yeah. <clears throat> so there's so yeah. The um, Detective Comics is just ah uh, the story it just it tells you that the whole story of this whole entire story that's been going on since the beginning of Tomasi's run. It's been I, all I in th- his head. Yeah, it's, and, it's, and I, I mean, had like, it's not a machine that puts right. a memory thing on his head. And, and I didn't, I didn't go back and look. I, I want to say that means he's been in the tank since issue nine ninety six. I, I think yes, since the beginning was, of the story. It was the first Detective Comics after Dick got shot in the head. So I think, so, so yeah, so this is this has been going on for like four issues now. Yeah, and it's just uh, so you find out he fights, he fights himself throughout the whole entire issue, and then by the issue's end, you find out it was all a fake, it was not reality. It's just so, uh, 
whole virtual reality kind of thing and uh it's just ah the story is just very disappointing because it's like it's like the daredevil thing that daredevil was in a uh, you know remember the last daredevil with, yeah, the, uh, yeah the ending of the charles soul run and we yeah we, and we had the same discussion and we had the same problem which is um and, 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 I'm, and I'm curious where you live, right? Because because I don't know that this is a bad single issue comic, right? If you talk about the story and the art and how well it's written, I, I struggled with how how do I how do I separate my feelings and my emotion that, that I feel like I've been taken on, or I feel like I've been hustled, right? Yes with how I regard the, the comic as a single artistic work. I, I, I mean, did you, I, I mean, did, did you, were you able to make any effort to try and decouple yourself or did that just, did it just like make you so angry that you were like, it really made me angry. To be honest, <laughs> I hate stories that they put you, they, they put you in the story and it is like, they pretend all oh, this story never happened. Ha ha ha. Like, Right. To me, it's like, what is the point of doing the story if it technically never happened? Right. We we hate the unreliable narrator. Right. We we want to be able to trust in the exposition, but when the when the exposition just lies to you, then you know it's it's a struggle. So uh, so so how how else did you think? Um, I mean, how did how did you feel about um, Monkey's art, particularly um, as he as he shows the progression? Because one of the sticks in here is that. The, the the little boy. I mean, thankfully, so 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 there was this weird, strange, like small being in a Batman costume that we saw at the end of the first issue. Um, yeah, that looked like a little person. Um, fortunately, it, it it turned out to actually be a child. Um, but but then in this issue, the the child like progressively grows up as it's fighting Bruce. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about how Monkey rendered that artistically across? The multiple panels that 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 being it looks kind of weird because I wasn't sure if there, it was an artist error because he grows up but they don't explain to you until later like yeah he, until like the fourth panel yeah like, and the, <laughs> I thought it was an artist error and as, as I'm reading I was like oh no wait a minute he is actually growing up yeah in fact I, I like stopped him. and made a I like stopped and made a note right because I was like oh here we go because I've because I've commented on how I felt that Bonky's art has been inconsistent since yeah. the run started with like, that's what I thought it was bits of the costume that looked different from like panel to panel and things like that. And I was like, Oh, here we go again with Bonky's inconsistency. I was like, and then like the ne- the very next panel, Bruce was like, how are you growing up? Like each <laughs> like, and I, Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, he's <laughs> forgetting that he's fighting the child version of Bruce Wayne. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. It's just, and the whole, it just bothers me that the the Leslie Tompkins death means nothing. It was just it was just all visual. It was just all virtual, and it's just like I just don't know how Batman could be mentally prepared for this because if you know if you're going into something knowing that's a virtual reality, wouldn't you not feel any of these effects that that comes in? I don't, I don't understand how he would pre- acknowledge that this is, this this is a virtual world. I mean, he will, he would, he's not acknowledging that this is a virtual reality yeah, thing. That's the weird thing about the six, right? So, so the whole supposition is that, I mean, as far as we've seen unfold over the last few issues, is that 
he doesn't know or understand that he's in this simulation. Yeah. So I don't know if that's, I mean, they have to like be drugging him, I guess, while he's in there. Um, like he, he, he mentioned two issues ago in the, in the, in the fight with pig that, um, that like the last thing he remembered was, was going after somebody and then blacking out and then like waking up. So it's like, it, it, it seems like maybe he tells Alfred and Damien, like, like drug, you know, drug me or whatever or something. And like, I don't know, but you're right. He, 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 he's in the simulator and he doesn't know that he's in the simulator until yeah. he's coming out of it in this issue. To me, I thought if someone's put in, put in simulation, they already know they're in a simulation. I don't know how would you, <laughs> unless you try to mind wipe the person, but how can you mind wipe them to a certain point? That's even more difficult. <laughs> right, right. So just to make it clear for all the listeners, right? So so in, in, in this issue, um, when you get to the whole, when you get to the end to the epilogue, actually, so so the Leslie Tompkins thing didn't happen. The the mortal injury to Alfred didn't happen. Um, you know all the other things that you know all, all these mentors and things that Bruce was was chasing around, um, trying to get to them, you know, all over the world, trying to get to them before one of these, um, you know, you know, combo shapeshifter beings who yeah. um, were made up of the DNA of like all of Batman's family and his enemies um, never happened. Like, so, so the original Mr. Miracle is still alive. Um, uh, you know, all that stuff. So uh, yeah. It's just all that. I don't know. It could have, all, all this could have led to an interesting story and for, for it to not happen makes it worse. Right. All right. So at the end of the day, what did you wind up scoring this man? Uh, I gave it a three. I was just oh, so wow. frustrated with it. I, I, I the art is not that bad. It's just the story put me in a position where I didn't like it, and it was just to me it was god awful. <laughs> I just yeah, didn't so, enjoy it whatsoever. So I actually wound up giving it a seven point oh, and and like I said, I I mean because to me, um, so interestingly enough, by the way, a uh, variant cover, John Byrne variant cover. So they got that guy uh, coming out of retirement, working again as well. Um, you know, there are some really effective things here, like the like the little boy Bruce Wayne, straight creepy as heck. Um, with yeah, the way, with he's the way a monkey, really creepy character. Yeah, with the way Monkey draws him um, in a couple of the early panels. Uh, the only thing, you know, there's there's a specific other than the whole thing about um, the actual you know plot point uh, there. Trying to think, there's a, there's one specific. Actually, I thought there was a, I thought there were a couple of drum beats of a couple of pages that I kind of fell off and like didn't feel. But I mean, really, the the epilogue. I mean, again, if you isolate, like to me, the epilogue is great. Um, the whole thing of like Bruce, like bear, like of like Batman burying Bruce Wayne, um, burying the child Bruce Wayne, right? That that essentially, you know, philosophically they say, you know, was killed that same night uh, with his parents. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, the, the platform rise, you know, in the whole thing about like the metrics of like the, the homicides in, um, Gotham, how, you know, he asked the computer how many homicides there were. And I think there was like 184 and like the year before it was 214 and the year before mm-hmm. that it was 247. Um, yeah, I think that's the drum beat that I didn't like the, then at the, like, I'm like, that's, this is great. Like this is really written well. And then 
and then it gets to the end, and you know, Batman says, you know, one year soon it will be it will be zero. I'm like, Bruce, like no matter how good you get, you're never going to get homicides in Gotham. Yeah, zero. It's just, I don't goal. know. It's just a, it's just a psychopathic view, of, <laughs> right? Right. I'm <laughs> just trying to erase crime there's no way you're gonna erase crime batman if you have that assumption something's really 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 wrong with you you don't need to be a superhero you need to get some medical help but uh but really i mean other than that i really think the book and, and i don't i don't entirely dislike or disagree with the setup that hey once a year i i basically program like the holodeck right to present to me like the greatest challenge that I could ever possibly have to face. And each year, like the computer changes it up and each year, like that simulation kind of prepares me for whatever, like psychologically prepares me for whatever is coming and, and concurrently pushes me to, to like better myself physically as well in my training regimen. Once I get out of it, that's not that bad a thing. Um, The bad thing about it is that they expended four issues like pulling the yeah. wool over our eyes, um, like it would it would have been completely good if they had taken this scene and put it in issue nine ninety six, and then we would have had three issues like seeing what he was going through in the simulator. Um, yeah, but uh, but they did it the other way around, and you feel you, you you feel a little you feel like like you feel like you've been mugged and somebody stolen your wallet. You know when you yes. get this real <laughs> this way. So. I feel like I wasted my money on these books. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because I I was only liking the I really liked the first two issues and it then it just started is the storytelling started deteriorating after that. But it's an interesting thing. I I think I think like even like like getting like a month or two months down the road and rethinking this because remember when we read the pig issue right and we were like man there's something nagging me in the back of my head that's telling me something is off with this right yeah. That's, that's a worthwhile experience to have gone through, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. I, th- I, th- I think, I, I think, un- unfortunately, I think this was a thing that was going to happen. And, and Tomasi and, and Snyder and Tina, like all the guys who were at this, this Batman desk who were putting all this stuff together architecturally had to know, right? Like this is initially going to leave a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. So um, yeah, it's, just, it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting play. Um, particularly with all the things that are going, the the big problem for me, maybe the bigger problem for me is now, as I walk away from this, I'm like, wait, so none of this really happened. Now I'm trying to like untangle in my mind, but wait a minute, what happened in detective versus, but the stuff in Batman is real. And there's some stuff going on over there that Tom King is unpacking. And I'm like, I, I really honestly, I think this is just happening. Batman's one day of, of, his life. No, I know, but, but, but without going back and looking at the issues, like I can't get straight in my head what has happened in Batman that's real versus what happened in Detective that was unreal. I mean, I know that everything that happened in Detective wasn't real. I'm just saying it, it's it's two or three months worth of, worth of comics, and without like walking through all those back issues, I I don't have straight in my head like what the status quo is right now and and what challenge is actually in front of Batman. The other thing that I didn't like about this. From a from a marketing and branding perspective, is this comic is titled "The Price You Pay," which is what's been going on, which is the title, the the higher level title of the thing that's been going on with the Flash and Batman in the Batman comic. But yeah. with this, but this, the price you pay has nothing whatsoever to do with that storyline. So they're, they're they're titled the same. Um, so yeah, yeah, you know, I don't know. Okay, and 
But I was, gonna, I was gonna say something. Uh, yeah, no, go ahead. I just and I noticed I don't have to worry about Hugo Strange being alive again because that was not real. <laughs> so yeah, this uh, yeah, this plot, the plot holes I don't have to worry about. I just I just kind of wish that the 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 killer of the story could have been like a person who dressed up in a Zorro mask. Because it kind of plays homage to what Batman is, and I mean the bat, what Batman is based off of, and has influences of, and he saw Zorro in the movie theater, so it could have been cool if this whole entire story was a person who who was um studying Batman and came obsessed with Batman and figured out who he is. Like it was like if it was a Tim Drake kind of thing, but and he ends up being a villain, so. It would have been interesting to play play it like play it out like that, but they went with this whole weird, not real story. So yeah, that's it. That's about it. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so, uh, so the next one you did want to talk about, as I mentioned, was the Flash number sixty five. Actually, actually, subtitled "The Price of Loyalty." So very close, yeah. um, to the same title, uh, but not exactly the same. A Batman Flash crossover event. So you want to talk us through this one? Yeah. Um, this one is Flash number 65. The writer is Joshua Williamson. Artist is Rafa Sandova. Inker is Jordy, <clears throat> Jordy Tarragona. Colorist is Tomei Moray. And the letters is Steve Wands. So, um, this issue, it deals with, uh, it deals with Flash and Batman investigating how Gotham Girl has been. They've been doing some detective work on her, how she's been feeling in Sanctuary, and and how she's gotten this Venom thing because in the story she gets a Venom, and you see. Batman and Flash fight her and they wake her up from it and and they get into an argument and they able to recover Gotham Girl. They put her in some stasis tube on the story. So yeah, I thought this was a very interesting story. I really enjoyed it. I had more fun with this story than I did with Detective Comics. And I really love the conflict between Batman and and the Flash because it it really reveals what Batman's flaws are because he's he uh it's just a really good argument of with the character and I loved how the he just he just Batman is obsessed with putting these people to become superheroes and he never thinks about the consequences of of making letting these people become superheroes he wish he would uh he would stop it and and i i can see flash's point of view and i can also see batman's point of view and it's interesting that you can you can agree with both of them and disagree with both of them it's like you can see the the, the all sides of the viewpoints and it's pretty interesting how you can see why Flash will argue with Batman. It's not something that would 
it's a really good drama. And I really find that interesting. I really like it when a comic book gets into the drama and it's really it's there's a reason for the drama and it it makes the story better. I think for for me, I I really like it when when the drama makes sense and it it challenges the characters to think in different perspectives. And I did like I even liked um Iris's point when she was talking to Batman and she showed her overprotective character that she has, and I can see that she would she probably would that she would slap Batman like that in the book. I thought that was pretty interesting that she get into that mode. The only thing that disappointed me with this book was that uh that at the end that Iris breaks up with Barry again. It's just that story has been playing off numerous times throughout Joshua Williams's run. It's just like they they get together then uh, she he um what is it? Flash reveals he reveals his identity to her. She breaks up with him. Then she goes back with him after she realizes that oh, it's not worth you know leaving him because he because he because he lied to her about the identity. Maybe she she decides to give him another chance. So she goes back with him, and then this whole entire thing with with Wally West dying and it's just this conflict with Gotham girl, all of a sudden she breaks up with him again. And it's just, it's like, come on, Iris, this is not the right time to break up with him. Cause he's dealing with grief. And I don't know. It's usually not the right time to break up with somebody when they're dealing with grief of, of someone that they care for, especially someone that's your relative. I just feel like you're making it worse for him. You're not making it any better for him to by breaking up with him. It's just you're making the relationship between. Because I know they're gonna still interact with each other. It's just that, yeah, their their relationship, even as like maybe as friends, would even make it worse. It's just it just increases the drama, and I don't think they need to increase the drama for for Barry and Iris that way because. He already has the drama of dealing with the after effects of Wally dying in the sanctuary. He doesn't need another one to be added. So probably one of the biggest deals in the book is much like we had in with Detective Comics number nine ninety nine. We get an epilogue in this, and 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 in the epilogue, we get several reveals. Um, how, how did you feel about about that? Those and it's only like. It's like two pages, but uh, but so much is said uh, within the confines of of those two pages. Uh, what did what did you think about about those? Mm. I forgot what was revealed in there. Uh, trying to look at it. So 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 in these pages, uh, it snaps back to Bruce in the Batcave, um, and he's looking uh, on the Bat computer. Oh like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I don't know. That. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he's the the yeah. You see, the uh the reveal was that maybe uh what is it? Barry is the one that they think they think that Barry is the one that 
probably cause sanctuary to happen. I don't know. So this is this is part of the. I mean, I, I like these two. I love the intrigue of these two pages, and I love the uh, the 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 crossover and the interactivity between this and clearly some other storyline. I don't know which storyline this crosses over into. I don't know if this is Heroes in Crisis. I don't know if this is Doomsday Clock. I, I don't know what thing this intersects with. I don't know if it's a new story that's coming down the pike um, because Snyder on Twitter keeps referring to the fact that that really, as we're watching all of these events and things unfold, that even then these are all these are all things walking up to some bigger uh, issue. So um, it's just. So, because you see it as tying into Heroes in Crisis, but it says this mystery deepens in DC's Year of the Villain, which is something which is, else. Which is a new thing, right? And that's yeah. what I'm saying. I don't, I don't necessarily even know that this ties into Heroes in Crisis. Um, you know, because Bruce, you know, in, in this alludes to the notion that somebody is, um, you know, manipulating heroes. You know, he, he, he says, you don't know him like I do, which... Normally, that would normally seem to be a reference to the Joker, but this is somebody who's clearly interacting with heroes because he later goes on and says um, that he could have gotten to anyone and turned them. So that is that that that's not the Joker because the Joker, I mean, as as bad as the Joker is, the Joker is uh, he is not a veiled, disguised threat. Like you can see him coming like a mile away because because of his 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 mutation. Um, I wonder if this is a. Uh, I mean, it, but but Batman wouldn't be the one who knows this guy that well. But but I wonder. But this the way it reads, it sounds like it could be like a Maxwell Lord kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, some, somebody I, who has the capability of like getting people's minds and 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 turn them to do what he, what he wants them to do. I just can't see Barry doing that. <laughs> I don't know how would they even. Pr- and I, I maybe Barry's not. I think it's a, like a a way to you to think that is Barry, but then they do a plot twist by the end of this mystery that they're gonna resolve maybe in some issue in the fu- some book in the future. Yeah, I don't know. Man. Yeah. So what did you uh, what did you wind up scoring this book in the end? I gave this an a eight a Okay. Yeah, I gave it an eight point I really thought this was an interesting story. I I really enjoyed it, and I like the art too. The art that Rafa does in this book is very well done. I even like how he puts the characters' expre- face expressions when they're arguing. It really works really well. Okay. So I actually enjoyed this book a lot. It was real fun. Yeah, I gave it a seven point five, so it was just out of um, remarkable, you know, remarkable or above territory for me. But it was still, I enjoyed reading it. I mean, it was a good solid comic. Um, the last thing we're going to talk about in the review segment is the Terrifics number thirteen. Uh, storytellers Joe Bennett and Jeff Lemire, inker Dexter Vines, colors Mike Spicer, letterer Tom Napolitano. Um, and I'm guessing the split. Uh, it says Joe Bennett and Jeff Lemire. I believe this is Jeff Lemire writing. Um, and then Joe Bennett, who is currently also the artist on uh, the Immortal Hulk, um, I, I believe this is his uh, his him on art. Um, even though Lemire is also an artist and, and could very well be drawing this book on his own, but I think this is Bennett um, doing the art. So this is the continuing story of Mister Terrific stranded um, in other uh, 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 Earths across the multiverse. Specifically, he is in uh, on Earth number twenty three right now 
And when last we checked on him, uh, he was in the clutches of uh, Java or Dr. Dread and his um, anti-terrifics, Metal Morpho, Phantom Boy, and Plasma Man, who is a rubber vampire, basically. Um, And this is kind of the the culminating getting the band back together uh, issue. Um, In the previous issue, we saw Phantom Girl, who was the most reluctant member of the Terrifics uh, in this run, actually be the one who comes back to Terrific Tower and sends out the distress signal summoning the other members of the team. Um, There's a great kind of uh, reassembling the team um, kind of scene here when you can see Phantom Girl get up and put the T uh, symbol, the team uh, T symbol for the Terrifics uh, on her belt. And then uh, Plastic Man shows up and has it prominently displayed on his costume as well. Um, Of course, one of the other backstories that's been going along uh, in this plot is that uh, Plastic Man has reached out and started to try to build a relationship with his son, um, who also has plastic morphing powers, uh, brings him along for uh, for this adventure. Uh, And there's immediate chemistry between that kid and Phantom Girl, which I thought was very interesting uh, and well-written mm-hmm. in, in how it's played out. Um, as, as part of the look ahead, when this book ends, um, they give us the cover for the next issue. And it was very cool, it was very cool to see that, uh, that uh, Plastic Man's son clearly uh, joins the team. Again, if, if the cover is to be believed, and, and often they, they pull the bamboos along us with the cover, but they have his son in costume uh, participating as a full-fledged member of the Terrific. So I'm pretty... Uh, keen and interested to see how that unfolds. Um, probably the best and most interesting aspect of this issue is that uh, Mr. Terrific's wife, uh, Paula, is actually alive on this earth. And uh, on that one, it's her husband who died. Um, and she became, uh, I guess, Mrs. Miss or Mrs. Terrific. Um, so she so she shows up to save Mr. Terrific and then uh, uses her T-Spears, which apparently have an ability to hop dimensions in the multiverse. Um, and there's a neat um, uh, screen hopping uh, sequence in here where uh, they just hop because um, they're being chased by, uh, by Java across these multiverses. He's hot on their heels. Um, feels very much kind of like a um, uh, Legends of Tomorrow kind of sequence. Um, but uh, but they rapidly transit, you know, from Earth 23 to 19 to 5, 8, 29, 12, and 30. Um, and as we've talked about a lot of comics and characters tonight, um, you know, one of those Earths has, uh, I guess, what is the Terry McGinnis Batman Beyond uh, on them. They, they cut through one of the Earths that is uh, the Bizarro Earth, where uh, everybody is kind of a Bizarro and Bizarro, bar Bizarro that we know of. Um, is uh, is is a hero. Um, one of the things that I thought was interesting is they now reference like the main Earth as Earth Zero, which I guess was a new designation coming out of um, I guess Convergence uh, a few years ago. Because it, it I don't to... know, it was I seen the destination a long time ago. I don't know when particularly, but I've seen that destination a while ago. Yeah, I think this was a thing where. Uh, this is a crisis on infinite earths thing where they, where they retracted back and like tried to get rid of the multiverses. And like I said, I I think it was convergence um, where supposedly they were collapsing back down to like the one earth. Um, And instead of it going, having it go back to earth one, it became redesignated earth zero. So I, that was just an interesting tidbit in there as well. 
Um, but I really thought this book was really well done. I loved the writing about the relationship between um, our Mr. Terrific and Miss Terrific um, and them, you know, the, the, kind of the, the, the bit that, um, that, uh, that uh, Lemire plays with about whether, you know, are these two characters now like separated across, you know, dimensions now going to finally find each other across these multiverses and get back together. I thought it was fairly interesting. Um, at the end of the day, I scored this issue at 8.5 um, and was uh, particularly happy with it. It was, it was one of my top issues that I read this week um, after, after having felt like the terrifics in general was, was kind of uh, an, an, an average to above average book issue after issue that just really wasn't finding the uh, the iron it needed to strike to really catapult itself up above that remarkable line. Uh, so, Stephen, did you read this issue? Did you have any thoughts on it? Yeah, I gave it an eight point as well. I I really enjoyed it too. I I was wondering if they're gonna have Mister and Mrs. Terrific together and. Yeah, I wonder if she's going to join a team and be like the Sue Richards of the Fantastic Four. Yeah, for the, the, the Terrifics. I know Phantom Girl is supposed to be the... the I don't know how to explain it, but... If, yeah. I wonder if she... I was thinking she's going to be the Sue Richards, but to me, I see that this this version of Mr. Terrific... She, Mrs. Terrific would actually be like the Sue Richards of that of that team. Yeah. And I I do like I do like seeing the 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 relationship between uh Plastic Man and his son and I like to seeing his son interacting with Phantom Girl. It's it was a very fun book. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah it was a good time. So let's go ahead and talk about the best things we each read this week. Uh for me it was pretty easy slam dunk Daredevil number two was the top rated book that I read. Uh we talked about it in detail so there's no need to go over it anymore. Um, Steven, your pick is actually another comic that I also read, and uh, I did not score it as highly, um, but it was definitely up there um, in the, the slice of comics that came in for me as a 7.5. Um, so uh, why don't you talk us through what you picked right. your best read? Uh, it's Sawi number 13. Writer is Dan Dio. Artist is Kenneth Rockefort. Colorist is Dan Brown, and letters is Travis Lanham. So this book is the final issue of the series, and um, I I really did enjoy this one the most because it had a very interesting story where where the where they find out who killed Sideways' mother. I mean, yeah, they, who they kill, how they killed Sideways' mother, and you find out is a ordinary person it's a person who's who's just a co-worker that worked for for his mother and it's just it's just pretty interesting that we see her get we find out the story was that she she just wanted to get a promotion and she didn't get a promotion for the job and in that frustration of the of the of not getting a promotion she ends up um, killing uh, Sideways' uh, mother. So it's just interesting how this character had to, uh, I mean, had to do that. And it, it kind of, I mean, the character is Sandy Bridwell. Yeah. So it 
puts a very interesting story. Like it's kind of like the Spider-Man story where um and I know Sideways has plays a lot of similarities with Spider-Man and I think it's done intentionally. So they decided to make it that's that this like like if the person who killed Uncle Ben was just a regular burglar. So they made it that it was that the person who killed Sawe's mother was was just um was just a regular person who worked for his mother. So I like the interest. I like the story that was told there, and I also like that they kind of left the story for you to for you to think of, like. We don't know if if Derek I mean, sideways if he doesn't. We don't know if he ends up killing the person who kills his mother. It's kind of left up to the viewer to think if he killed her or not because it just it. Um, Stia he talks to her and he says that I'm the guy that's just sending you off, and it just fades to black and. You don't know what happens. The next day is just it's just him talking to his best friend. So it kinda and the thing is he acts totally normal. He acts like nothing's going on. And I think if he actually did kill her, it would kind of put a different story perspective if if maybe what happens if the revenge uh, the effects of revenge puts him in a different light does it really change his character or does it not change his character it leaves it up to you and i find that very interesting i like that viewpoint and the only thing that really that really bothered me in the story and it's just that when it came to like uh derek talking to his mother and his adoptive father is there and they just talking to the mother and I just wish that the the character was not. I don't mind the character speaking in Spanish, but it's just that they could have translated that. They didn't have to like. They could have just put like those uh those um those parentheses that say that it's translated right. in Spanish. Yeah, like the but, greater than, less than signs. Yeah, yeah. that they is actually in English because. My Spanish is not really that well. I'm, <laughs> right, right. I'm raised in America. My parents didn't didn't really sadly they didn't really teach me Spanish. So they 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 taught me English and and my Spanish is not very well. So I had to like uh, I I didn't want bother putting the whole entire paragraphs because it's like two or three, four paragraphs of her talking. Right. And it's just, I didn't want to put all of that. My, I didn't want to put my time on figuring out what she's saying in there. And I had to put the, the, the words that I didn't know and for, put the pieces together and figure out what she is saying. And it's just, it bothers me that there is, there's very there's one important plot point because there's one translation I didn't get, and it's just that she finds out she tells him that her that his father is is a is a deadbeat, and that's a very important plot point for maybe his future, whatever book that he appears in, 
he has trouble of uh, that his dad have not never been there for him. I know it's a stereotype for for Hispanic people, and it happened to my life. So yeah, I'm one of those stereotypes. But yeah, but it's just that um, it's just um, <laughs> it's just. I think that if it's something important, then they should just translate it because because if it's yeah, if it's important plot points to be translated, it shouldn't be left to the person not knowing what that is. And it's just I don't think I'm not sure if Dan Dio realizes, but not everyone in this country could speak English and Spanish. So try to be a little bit more I guess concerning of that maybe you should put this in English and say that put it in those um, less than or greater than parentheses saying that she's speaking in Spanish. So we can know what she's, so the people can know she what she's saying. And it's like, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it really bothers me when they don't translate these things and I have to figure out myself. Uh, reading your Reading a comic book shouldn't be work. That's why I don't like this type of idea on that front. So Wait. yeah, that's yeah. A, oh, they just say something. But yeah, that's about it. I I gave this I gave this issue at 8.5. I I really enjoyed it. And the art the artwork was pretty normal. It wasn't really that interesting, but it's it's not bad. It's just it's a simple art for me. Uh, nothing spectacular. So yeah, I enjoy that issue. That's about it. Okay, and why don't you go ahead and run us through your list of honorable mentions then? All right. My honorable mentions is is um what is it? Uh yeah, just gotta look for it. um is Star Wars dot the offer number twenty-nine and give it an eight point oh. Shazam number three, I gave it an eight point and Freedom Fires number three, I gave it an eight point five. So that's it. Okay, and for me, my, my honorable mentions this week. So it was a very pretty tight race for uh, what was going to be the best read because um, I got to Daredevil uh, very late in my stack, um, and it looked like it was going to be the war of the eight point fives this week. Um, but but again, uh, da- then Daredevil landed and kind of ate everybody's lunch. But up until then. Uh, I uh, was strongly looking at uh, Superior Spider-Man number three as potentially my best read, uh, or The Terrifics uh, number 13. Um, at the end of the day, I rated both of those comics an 8.5, and then, like I said, then, then along came Daredevil. Uh, so, Stephen, go ahead and run us down uh, your polls for next week. All right. My polls is Adventures uh, of Super Sons number eight, Age of X-Men, Prisoner X number one, Black Order number five, which is the final issue, uh, Champions number three, Cosmic Ghost Fighter des- destroys Marvel history number one, The Curse of Brimstone number twelve, which is another final issue, De- uh, Deathstroke number forty-one, Domino Hot Shots number one, Doomsday Clock number nine, The Dreaming number seven, Green Arrow number fifty is another final issue, uh, Justice number nineteen. Meet the Scrolls number one, Star Wars number 62, Star Wars Vader, Dark Visions number one, Suicide Squad, Black Files number five, The Walking Dead number 189, 
Young Justice number three and Ziggy Pig and Silly Seal comics number one, which is from Marvel. It's one of those, uh, one of those fifties comic books. Back then. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, for me on polls uh, this week, I will be picking up Batman number sixty six, Deadpool number ten, Immortal Hulk number fourteen, Justice League number nineteen, Star Wars number sixty two, Deathstroke number forty one, Green Arrow number fifty. Um, I'm going to check out a couple Danger Zone comics, uh, Aberrant number five, and Guncats number three. Uh, I'll also be picking up Champions number three, um, as well as Star Wars Vader Dark Visions number one. And then I'm going to check out Black Hammer 45, uh, number one, by Dark Horse, uh, Meet the Scrolls number one, and Doomsday Clock number nine. So, Stephen, unless you have anything else, that's going to do it for us for tonight? No, that's going to do it for me, too. Okay. Well, thanks so much, everybody, who happened to join in on the live show. If you missed the live show, you will always be able to come back here and check out the archive version, which should be up. Uh, if not uh, tonight, then hopefully by tomorrow morning. Um, and uh, and you can always come back and view the archive version of this video on YouTube as well. So until next time, uh, thank you, Stephen. You're welcome. Yeah. And on behalf of the E2KG Network and myself, and Gaskin Stamus, that's going to do it for us. Uh, this has been What's Your Issue, episode number 21. We will be back next Monday with issue number 20. Yeah, episode number 22 <laughs> to yeah. talk about the books <laughs> that ship uh, this week, the 6th of March on Wednesday. So until then, take care of yourselves, stay safe out there, and good hunting. That's going to do it for us. We're out.